welcome to the MedCorp Podcast Network. This is Carrie Stevens, the Chief Editor of 24-7. Thank you for joining me for this podcast episode. I'm so excited to have Wayne Moore with me today to delve into the right to repair. Wayne is the CEO of Acertara Acoustic Laboratories and the 2022 Chair of the Ultrasound Section of MIDA, as well as the 2022 Chair of the Service Committee of MIDA. Wayne, thank you for joining me today. Thank you, Carrie. It's good to be here. Yeah, no, we're, we're really happy to have you. And to start, I want to talk about how you have a very unique perspective in regards to the right to repair. And can you talk about that a bit? Sure. We're, we're kind of at the intersection of the right to repair um, uh, issue in that we are a third-party service repair company, Acerterra is. So, uh, so we're unique in that respect that we're a third-party service repair company and we're simultaneously chair of the uh, uh, service committee for MIDA, which is uh, uh, primarily an OEM-based uh, advocacy uh, group for medical imaging. And, and so uh, we are also uh, in the regulatory sphere in that the FDA is a customer of ours, regulatory, uh, you know, the OEMs are customers of ours, hospitals, third-party service providers. So we get to see this uh, this whole issue kind of play out uh, from multiple perspectives, and then you know we have our own perspective on it as well. So uh, I think that uh, certainly puts us in a in a very unique position, and uh, we get uh, I get asked uh, to give a lot of presentations on right to repair from. Uh, various uh, entities like uh, regulatory, uh, as well as OEM, as well as third-party uh, groups. So, uh, and we get to hear all the stories and participate in them. So, uh, that, that I think that puts us into a really unique uh, category uh, with regard to that. Absolutely. So, what do you think about it? What is your perspective? It is, uh, so I have the advantage of being um, uh, old enough to have participated in the first right to repair activity that occurred back in the late 1990s. Uh, and that's when I was starting Sonora. And I think we started Sonora about the same time you guys started 24 by seven, uh, but- uh, 1996? Yeah, yeah, 1996. And, at that point, uh, there was a lot of discussion about remanufacturing and third-party service uh, providers being uh, regulated by the FDA. And it caused a lot of commotion like it has this time as well. Finally, the FDA basically just said they were gonna punt that and uh, not do anything uh, about it at that particular time. Well, they punted it and it was the longest punt I've ever seen because it, uh, it didn't uh, resurrect again until six years ago, six and a half years ago. So that, uh, you know, 15 yard punt, that's pretty, or 15 year punt, that's pretty good. Um, and uh, so I came into an understanding the historical background, what the issues were at that particular time. And here we are six and a half years later since the second round of the right to repair issue and third party service issue with the FDA. Uh, commenced, and we're still no farther down the line than we were uh, six and a half years ago. The FDA still hasn't come out with um, its remanufacturing guidance, et cetera. And there's been a lot of uh, misinformation, a lot of misunderstandings uh, 
that have been going around that have colored this into kind of a, a zero sum game. And we don't see it like that. As a third party service provider, we see ourselves partnering with OEMs, partnering with hospitals, partnering with regulatory groups. There is a way to do it. There's a right way to do it. Um, and so, you know, we don't look at it like that. We don't get into the the name calling uh, exercises that unfortunately uh, taint this whole discussion and kind of put it as a Hatfields and McCoy uh, feud rather than, hey, let's work together to see what we can do to, uh, to make this thing uh, actually benefit hospitals, benefit uh, biomedical engineers, uh, third party third party companies, remanufacturers, and the manufacturers. So that's where we stand. And that's why I have been such a advocate and um, uh, in, in, in trying to bring all of these things together. Um, and some success uh, and some not so successful. Yeah, I know, you know, for us, especially whenever we talk about the right to repair, it is such a contentious issue. Mm -hmm. And I don't think anything gets people as mad as any, anytime we have an article on right to repair, there's always such differing sides. And that's why I wanted you on the podcast, because you bring such a unique perspective to this, because yes, you are working with Mida and you are a third party provider, service provider. So it's these two different views, but I mean, you talk about, you know, working together for the good of the patient coming together. How can we come together on this? Because it is so contentious. Well, that's a great question. I think the first thing is, is for everybody just to sit down, take a deep breath and say, look, we're all working for the same thing. This is about lowering the costs of, that hospitals pay, overall costs, not just a transactional cost. I mean, anybody can go in and do a service call for 50 bucks less than the, the next guy. But is that a long-term successful strategy that's going to help the financial uh, issues that hospitals face right now. It, it's not clear to me. I'm not convinced of that, um, that that can happen. It, it takes what's the life cycle cost of repairing that system, uh, you know, and I just can only speak to medical imaging devices, the real high tech devices like MR and CT, Nuke Med and ultrasound, of course, which I'm primarily vested in. Um, but there's a lot more that goes into calculating what the cost of ownership is over the life cycle of a product than just a one-off repair thing that might happen, a break fix kind right. of an issue. So I think it's the realization, you know, of, uh, let's, let's really talk about how we can save hospitals money, uh, how we can uh, alleviate some of the apprehension of having uh, unregulated uh, repair providers going into hospitals and performing repairs that may or may not be um, in the best interest of the patient in the hospital and also the regulatory issues. Until we can get to that. So the, the you know, the, the one side that I'm on, the third party side, unfortunately too often uh, says that the OEMs are only in it for the money, which that's of course absurd. Um, they're, they're, <laughs> It's just not accurate, and it, and it causes consternation for sure. And you know, then they say the OEMs, uh, you know, uh, are against third parties. Well, that's kind of odd because I'm a third party, and I'm the chair of the service section for for Mida. So if they were against us, I'm not sure why they'd 
put me as uh, vote me in as chair of that. Uh, they're interested in the same things everybody else is. Does that ever feel weird, though, to be, you know, working with Maida and then have such a differing perspective from most of the industry? That must that must be interesting. I want to hear about that. Well, it is interesting, especially when I see some of the conversations going on back and forth, you know, when uh, some people may say, well, you know, the OEMs are, you know, in some dark smoke filled room cutting deals with Congress and stuff like that. Well, I'm in on every meeting and I've yet to be in that uh, dark filled, you know, dark and smoke filled room where all the real deals are getting cut and stuff like that. Everybody's working really hard. OEMs have Congress people that they work with. Third parties have Congress people they work with, um, you know, and, and so uh, we, we've got to calm down, I think, on the rhetoric first and, and then the blaming and stuff like that. Um, because I see the OEMs operate on a, a weekly basis. We have a meeting and uh, for MIDA and uh, the service committee. And, um, you know, they have the utmost respect for service providers who are uh, 13485 certified and doing the right thing and have that good history. They use them, right? Uh, but they, they, the OEMs go through, in the absence of any FDA guidance, when the OEMs contract with a third-party service organization like us, they come in and they go through our quality management system with a fine tooth comb before they will allow us to do uh, any of the work uh, for them. Because after all, at the end of the day, it's their name that's still on the machine or still on the ultrasound probe. And they want to make sure that uh, their brand isn't injured as well. So uh, their, their OEMs have never said that they're against third-party service. You, I defy anyone to show me that, that that sentence. What they've consistently said and what I've consistently part, been part of was they are against unregulated third-party service. Uh, I am too. I'm against that. Um, I, I think that it's in the best interest of the patient that companies have full transparency with their quality management system and they adhere to it. And... Um, and so that's kind of the perspective I bring from them. I see the other side too from 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 third parties. Um, you know, sometimes uh, it can be uh, very difficult to work with an individual OEM for sure. Not all OEMs are uh, willing and ready and able to just uh, turn over all of their uh, service stuff. Uh, at basically cost to third-party uh, service providers without any kind of accountability. That just, it's not going to work. And so there's still got to be a lot of give and take between the two, the two entities, you know, and, and then I put on my regulatory hat and I see the FDA just basically throwing up their hands and saying, you know, they're, they're going to be damned if they do and damned if they don't, no matter which way they go. Uh, they're going to be yelled at by somebody, right? So it, 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 it's that kind of a situation that, that we find ourselves in. It's going to be very difficult to get out of uh, that situation. And I think it's going to take something like an act of Congress or uh, enforcement by the FDA to really break the, uh, the stalemate. That's my, my opinion where we're at right now.
I think it will not be handled uh, with handshakes. And, um, you know, they tried with the collaborative community and that didn't work um, for a lot of reasons. If you ask the if you ask the third parties, it was the OEM's fault. If you ask the OEMs, it's the third party's fault. Uh, if you ask, ask the FDA, they go, we're not, you know, we don't assign blame. Uh, so, uh, but we still have to get back to that kind of a, a, a situation where the, the, comp, the, the organizations can come together and say, okay, here's, here's the way it's going to be. And everybody agrees on it. Of course, the other thing that got thrown into the mix uh, along at the, at the very beginning is um, somehow, and I'm not sure exactly when it happened, the HTMs uh, started uh, thinking that this somehow the third party service stock had applied to them, which it doesn't. An HTM who works directly for the hospital, as everyone knows in contract law, there's two parties to a contract. Party of the first part, party of the second part. We've heard that on TV for 50 years, right? Um, and if you're an employee, full-time employee of the hospital, you're already party to the contract that exists between the OEM and the hospital. So they're not third-party servicers. And the HTM can do what, if, if the hospital tells their employee, we want you to try and fix this, they can do it. There's no, no law against them doing that. Um, the, the issues come if they, if they break it and, or if there's a patient event, then that invites the scrutiny, obviously, of the FDA inside the hospital. But as long as they're repairing their own equipment and not returning it back into interstate commerce, then they're acting as uh, the second part of that contract. So, um, but the, the HTMs have, have, uh, been very instrumental in the last, certainly last few years in being advocating for third-party service repair. Yeah, and one thing I continually hear, just on the flip side, to be devil's advocate, um, a lot of our readers have said, you know, this is the OEMs trying to get money. This is not about safety. This is about money. What is your reaction to that? Well, like I said, you know, I mean, everybody has to make a profit. Profit. Show me a third-party service company that's not uh, charging for doing their service. So everybody charges for doing their service. The and I can't speak, nor would I even attempt to speak for all the OEMs. But I can tell you from a Mida perspective, which is the only the imaging devices. So infusion pumps or patient monitors. I have no understanding of how OEMs treat uh, everybody. Uh, regarding those devices. But from the OEM perspective, um, you know, it, the, these people have uh, family, they have family that gets treated uh, for medical conditions, they go to oncology and, and, and they get MRIs and they get ultrasounds, etc. like that. Um, they're not trying, they're not in it to bankrupt the hospital. Uh, they're uh, a, a strong motivation, certainly from an engineering perspective. I'm an engineer, uh, used to work for Siemens. And from the engineering perspective, it's about creating new and wonderful technologies that can be used to uh, detect disease earlier. That, that's what motivates uh, a lot of the OEM uh, uh, personnel 
for sure. The employees to get out of bed every morning thinking they, they may be part of developing the next system that will, you know, uh, diagnose cancer at the cellular level and, and allow treatment. That's what gets people going. They're not checking their stock portfolios every morning to see if they can carve another two pennies out of a out of a product. Um, so, uh, yeah, they 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 make a profit off of service, just like third parties do. So earlier in this, you mentioned the FDA collaborative communities, which we wrote about several years ago, and that was I guess maybe two years ago, and that was the thing. It was like this is going to be you know service help solve the contention between the right to repair and just, you know, make everyone happier, maybe kumbaya, I don't know. But that was definitely the vibe it was giving off in the beginning. And why do you think it didn't work? That's a great question. My again, this is my own my own opinion. But the reason I think it didn't work was the FDA did not take a leadership position in the collaborative community. They kind of threw the, I mean, it's like tying two cat's tails together and throwing them over a clothesline, right? There, there's going to be a lot of fighting going on, more fighting than, than kumbaya moments. Uh, and with the FDA not, not taking a leadership position, in my view, it was doomed from the beginning, okay? Because anytime, if you read anything in Harvard Business Review, anyway, about collaborative communities, without strong leadership, they're always doomed. They just become a, you know, they just, companies fight each other. I mean, that's the, that's the way it goes. And without somebody in there in a strong leadership position, driving toward an end result, uh, had no shot. So the OEMs are very process driven. At least, at least I, can, I can say for, uh, for the OEMs I'm familiar, very process driven. They take a long time to make uh, decisions. When they do make a decision, uh, they stick with it for a long time as well. Um, third parties, I'm an entrepreneur. Uh, we like to make decisions, um, uh, you know, in, in a few minutes. Uh, and, and that's how sometimes we, we run our business uh, and create new business is by uh, making decisions in a very uh, fast manner. So, when you have people who want to get something done right away and others that are being uh, uh, guided by the upper management within an organization to take a slow, methodical, get, let's get it right process together, it makes one company or one entity look like they're dragging their feet and the other one like they're uh, way too quick to uh, pull the trigger on something. So... With, again, without that central leadership position uh, from the FDA, uh, that's, that's what we found ourselves in. The um, third parties said the OEMs can't get past uh, uh, the processes and the OEMs were saying decisions can't be made that quickly because we, they're the producers. They got to go back and implement all this within a massive organization and, and get it, get it uh you know, socialize within the organization, get it integrated within all the processes and procedures. It's not limited just to the United States, but it has to go, you know, throughout the world, certainly with the imaging devices for, you know, the same kind of issues with uh, CE labeling and other regulatory um, issues that occur in different countries. So it's a much bigger, so the local service organization like me, you know, I might worry about, you know, uh, a particular 
market segment just in the United States, but uh, Siemens is, operates in 161 different countries around the world with a lot of different regulations and, and everything. And to take what we do here and to just integrate it into that doesn't work. So it takes a lot longer for OEMs to, uh, to, um, to make those kind of decisions and uh, see how they're going to integrate it into their aggregate business. So I think, you know, if, we, if it, it may not be possible, but if you could limit it to North America or, or just the United States, I think it would be it would be a lot easier. But that's really not how it works within large OEMs. So for a final question, what else do you want to tell 24-7 listeners about the right to repair and just maybe your unique perspective or any misconceptions from the MITRE perspective that you want to clear up? I think I think what happens is that a lot of the, uh, at least from again from my perspective, the it, it still gets back to the rhetoric and these um, these seminars that are held at various uh, regional and national meetings um, for biomedical engineers and and only having one perspective talked about up on the stage. Uh, or the presenter, or if there's a couple of presenters, and not hearing about some of the issues that the OEMs have to face as well, and get that put out there. And uh, some of them, unfortunately, some of these meetings that I've attended have been, let's bash the OEM. And I think uh, that's what stirs up even more uh, kind of resentment and alienation between the two groups. Uh, if, if, boy, if we can get that uh, get that toned down and maybe have equal representation on some of these talks so that people can hear both sides of the equation. Like I said, there's always, you know, it's famous in the legal profession, you know, that there, there are three sides to every story, your side, my side, and the truth. And, you know, if, if, right. if you're only getting one side of the story, then you're missing out on the other two thirds of it. So. That's what I would like to see happen. And I think it would go a long way to bringing the, the groups back together again. No, that is a great statement. Um, well, thank you so much, Wayne. We really appreciate what you've shared with us today. And we hope it's really informative for our listeners. So to check out the latest of 24-7, um, please visit 247xmag.com. And until next time, take care. Thank you. Take care. Take care.